Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today is your host, Evan Sider, and joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page on Array at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. We're joining you guys a few minutes here after the final score of tonight's game in Sacramento for the Phoenix Suns. 120-116 was the final score. The Kings defeated the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are now 7-6 and six on the season. Brennan, we should first ex- explain to the listeners that Ricky Rubio only played the first half of this game due to back spasms. Aaron Baines out this game as well. So very shorthanded tonight for the Suns, as you, if you also count DeAndre in there too. So very shorthanded, just Booker and Oubre. And then also Kaminsky in there as well, playing center in Baines' place. What was your biggest takeaway as far as just how shorthanded they were tonight, Brennan, and how they kind of fought back in this one? Yeah, a, a very bizarre game. If you con- if you connect the maybe few hours before the game happened into and then all the way through that comeback, just a a very uh, energetic night, I guess you could say. Just a lot happening, but you have to be pleased, I think, with the fact that they found a couple units that worked for them and got contributions from players on a night when they needed it, when their depth was not there. You know, we can get into a lot of the individuals who made that happen. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying that this is another feather in Monty's cap. I actually disagree. I really think uh, this is a a product of the players who were on the floor. A lot of these guys were the same players who led to the deficit in the first place and were able to overcome it. So... Uh, a real testament to the guys on the court tonight who battled back and really uh, buckled in on defense in that second half, hit some big shots, and gave themselves a chance to win. Yeah, 120-116, to 116, the Suns once again fell tonight to the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento. But let's dive into our free throws as we always do, our free throws and our flagrant fouls and our stat to watch for tonight's game. Burn. I'll kick it off here first in my first free throw. And it's going to be actually Mikhail Burgess because he's been one I've noted multiple times already this year in the negative category, but tonight was a very pleasant surprise for Mikhail. 20 points, a new career high they tied on 6-9 shooting in 26 minutes, 7-7 seven seven from the free throw line, two steals to plus 12 in the plus minus category. Just one of those games, Brent, I think Mikhail desperately needed. Great game from him. Honestly, I think one of the better of his entire career. I know we saw some defensive performances that maybe were a little more impressive considering the opponent maybe the eight assist night he had at the end of last season might be up there too but just considering uh, like we said at the top of the show here how badly they needed this one and the the track record he had the first 11 games of this season to overcome that in such a big way and be a major factor in what what almost became a comeback victory here is impressive. He's a plus 12, which is the highest, uh, I guess, second highest to Elia Kobo on this team tonight. And, you know, he's been saying all along, whether it was in the, the Bob Young story uh, or I talked to him at practice just a few days ago, his message has remained the same. I'm missing these shots, but uh, my confidence is not taking a hit really yet. And I just need to see some go in, get some easy baskets, and get into a rhythm a little bit. And I think that's what happened tonight. Yeah, definitely an impressive night for Bridges because we've seen his defense always show through on those games. But his offense is what's very important to take a next step in his development. And certainly was a nice night to see 20 points on only 6-9 shooting for him. But what was your free throw, Brennan? Yeah, my first one here is Cam Johnson, the other wing off the bench. Of course, for the Suns, these guys both played 26 minutes tonight. Bridges was actually the first 
sub in uh, just with how depleted the roster was without Baines especially just changed things for the Suns and, and Dario Saric not having a great game by any means so Mikhail came in first a little different than most of the recent games but Cam was just as impactful as he has been for a couple weeks now really um, 18 points four of nine from three-point range and just the green light I, I tweeted about just how confident he is and obviously empowered he is to take those not only threes but contested threes and there was a sequence with Devin Booker dishing it to him in the same exact spot I think it was in the fourth quarter miss the first one they get the offensive rebound Booker finds Cam in the same spot on the right wing and he makes the second one and that to me it just signaled that a, the coaches have obviously told him to take those, even if he has a hand in his face a little bit. And B, that's Booker, the best player on the team, the guy who probably has confidence in himself to take a shot off, off of a offensive rebound, finding the rookie to give him another shot at it. Uh, it just That kind of epitomized to me the growing role and uh, comfort level that Cam has on this team. Yeah, I had a recap dude tonight on Bright Side of the Sun. So if you want to check out my thoughts for tonight's game, go over there because I went into a little depth about intel about Cam because I just think Monty, we've heard it from really day one. He's earned the trust pretty quickly from the coaching staff. But I think the players too, like you mentioned there, Brennan. I, I think Booker's realizing too how much of a, a smart player, how much of a sharpshooter that Cam is. He might even be a better shooter than Booker. I mean, we'll see eventually, but just the way Four years of college, a 40% three-point shooter. We don't have to worry about transitions to the NBA here because Cam Johnson is sharp shooter off the, the bat, 40% three-point shooter for the Suns right now. It just seems like the confidence not only from the coaches but the players too, like you mentioned with Booker especially, is pretty huge for a guy Cam. Yeah, and you've mentioned his his defense being a little better than expected. I think that continued continues to not really get held up on screens in the same way we see so many young players. Maybe that's his age. Maybe that's his length his uh, just kind of intelligence on the court, whatever it is, uh, he's been able to stay on the floor and be part of good defensive units, which is rare for a rookie and was one of the only guys tonight that actually could stop Bogdan Bogdanovich a little bit and got a steal against him near the half court line. So just an all around game from Cam, but of course the offense really shined and, and kind of got to flash a little bit more versatility even on that side than we have been just with the more minutes he sees, the more types of situations he'll be involved in and the reps will be kind of invaluable. We're already seeing that. It seems like he's getting better every night. Before I dive into my second free throw, Brent, I just want to ask you quickly, how much more do you want to see Cam Johnson and Mikhail Burgess play together? Because we saw tonight when Mikhail is aggressive and confident offensively with already what Cam's going I think those two on the court together is almost like peanut butter and jelly because they kind of fit each other perfectly. Yeah, those two. And then, you know, you throw Ubre in there and it's it's a versatile and super interesting just in the way that the pieces kind of complement each other and all three of those players being pretty different types of, of guys on the court is a unique opportunity for a team to have uh, and I think we're just kind of scratching the surface here or you know we're not doing anything the coaching staff is, is just scratching the surface of what these guys can do together what they can do individually how to mix and match them to get the best out of each uh, I'm excited to see what happens here from for the rest of the season now that these two guys off the bench are playing just as well as Kelly Oubre yeah speaking of Uber, we're going to hit on him probably later on in the show but my free throw for this one, my second one, is going to be Devin Booker because he had 30 points in this one, also eight assists, two steals, five rebounds, 10 of 20 from the field, three of six from three, 70 from the free throw line. 
even in a tough match at Burn against Corey Joseph, at points was hounding him. He was getting the best of Booker, and it was a very aggressive night for Joseph and the Kings defense against Booker, and still, some way, somehow, ends up with 30 points on the 50-50-90 shooting splits again. Yeah, it's pretty impressive when you look down at the box score after not really thinking too much about Booker, and you see he has 20 points already. <laughs> and that was that was my experience, I think, heading into the fourth quarter or at some point in the second half. I was like, man, they, they really could use Booker to, to make some some tough shots if they're going to get back in this one. And then I looked down, and he's 7 of 13 from the field and, and has already scored 20. So uh, I think we're all used to that by now, but especially down the stretch to just nailing threes like it was nothing. Uh, Monty ran a sideline out of bounds play for him to get within, I think, three, four points. Just set his feet like the rhythm of the game had no impact on him at all, despite the comeback attempt and all that pressure, and he just nailed it. So uh, just another incredible night from him. I think you would have maybe liked to see a little more earlier on in the game. He didn't really get it going in the way we're used to until it was kind of too late. But still, you don't get as close as they did without him either. Yeah, let me ask you about that because I mentioned that in my story tonight too on the recap that I feel like the first five, six minutes of this game, maybe even a little longer than that, Booker was kind of passive playing within the system a little bit. I think on some nights, and I think he realized that later on in the game, of course he finished with 30, but I think quicker he's going to realize that he's going to have to realize that on some nights that, hey, this might be one of those nights where I don't have to do it that, that often this year. I don't have to do it like every night like I had to before, but this might, might be one of those nights I had to do like years past where I just take over this game. Yeah, it's just a matter of, I, I think, the the balance of playing within the system and then hijacking the offense, which I think with how good he is and how impactful he can be when he's in that zone, I, I think he has to be comfortable a little bit more often just saying, screw it, I'm, I'm actually just going to start taking things over here. And uh, we did see it late, like, like we both said here, but not quite uh, early on. And they seem to be really getting to him. He wasn't turning the ball over like we're used to when he gets overwhelmed like that, but he wasn't really able to get his usual shots up because of the attention Sacramento was sending his way with Ricky Rubio just completely probably shouldn't have even played tonight. And and the, so the Kings were able to just over overwhelm Booker and he wasn't very effective until later in the game when they're pushing the pace, guys are spacing the floor a little better and then things started to work. Let's toss it back your way here, Brennan. What's your second and final free throw tonight? Yeah, one quick quick one here we already kind of touched on. Just Kelly Oubre. Uh, the only guy, I saw you mention this in the recap, the only guy really who did have it going in that first half. Uh, the Suns probably are too far out of it even to make the run that they did if not for Ubre's presence especially on offense a guy that this year really has not taken any mid-range jumpers took three of them I think all in the first half and to me that just kind of encapsulated how desperately he was playing we kind of saw the 2018-19 Suns version of Ubre tonight where he's taken some probably uh, fair to say some 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 pretty bad shots making some crazy ones that we wouldn't have expected and then those five steals for him in addition to the 20 points he was uh he was a pretty menacing guy out there defensively at, at times tonight too so uh, he was all over the court in a way that we really haven't seen as he's kind of settled into more of a role this year yeah, let me ask you that before we end this segment. Just, I, it feels like Ubre so far this year, outside that one clunker against the Lakers, 
it feels like he's just getting really comfortable now. He's getting familiar. He's been, I know it's still been less than a year since been in Phoenix, but I feel like especially now entering year two with the Suns that he just seems very comfortable with the with the team and especially guys like Booker. Yeah, I, I think they're developing chemistry. Uh, I think him and Booker really like each other and like to play with each other. Uh, as much as those are things we can tell from the outside, it just feels that way. I mean, even the the very last three that, that Ubre hit in the game, Booker, they're, they're trying to inbound it. They kind of play a little two-man game full court, and Booker drives and, and kicks to Kelly, who makes that three, to get them again within three or four points as they kept trying to get over that hump. So um, I, I agree with you that he's just starting to settle down, and I think that it's not a coincidence that it's also coincided with an uptick in efficiency and all that. This is exactly the version of Ubre that we hope to see, or at least I'll speak for myself, that I hope to see when they sign him to that contract. It's it's the kind of best of both worlds where he, he picks his spots, but he's also willing to settle in if he needs to. Yeah, I'm right there in agreement with you, Brennan, about the efficiency. That was the big part about paying Uber $15 million a year. He's got to be a more efficient player, and he's certainly doing that so far this year, and he proved it again tonight, putting up 20 points on almost 50% shooting for him once again with the five steals, like you mentioned as well, Brennan. But before we dive into our negatives from tonight's game, I want to remind you guys about our sponsor today's show, which is Audible. Audible is the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash lockdownNBA. And if you're listening on the go, if you can't visit Audible as well, go to you can find all of our offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Again, that is LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. And if you want to use the promo code over on Audible, go ahead and do so. Alrighty, Brian, let's dive into our negatives from tonight's game. And I'll kick things off here with my first one. It's going to be Dario Saric. Just, again, another inconsistent night from Saric. After three straight strong games, we've had back-to-back inconsistent games and really negative games from Sarge here. Two points, one of five from the field. He also had multiple turnovers, two turnovers to just one assist, minus 20 in the box score, one of five from the field. Just a really, really ugly night from Dario Sarge. And this is kind of what we've known, though. If you've watched Dario throughout his career, brand through Philadelphia, through Minnesota, he has these stretches where he's super hot from the field, then there's just some, like a week or two stretch where he just looks absolutely pitiful out there. Yeah, I think it's... Fair to call him streaky for sure. Um, we've, like you said, seen it in all of his various stops. I think that's just something that his team has to live with as a player. And and on a night like this, you'd really hope that that they are going in and that he can have an impact because they really needed it in that first half. And we saw Monty basically just go away from him completely. They they went small for the entire second half basically. So. I don't necessarily think there's an answer. I think you're right. I think it's just a fact of life here. And a guy you barely noticed when he was in the game. I mean, if he's not making those shots, we've seen him, you know, he's picked up on his steals a little bit. And there have been nights where he's gotten on the offensive glass and certain times in the post defensively when he's able to hold his own. But really the value he provides is as a floor spacer, as an offensive kind of secondary playmaker type of guy. And and when that's not going, there's really not much – reason to have him out on the court and so Monty just decided not to do that the other the my my flagrant fouls right on the same page so maybe we can talk about them together another guy who barely played in the second half which uh, is not Ricky Rubio I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too hard on that guy tonight that feels a little unfair it's Tyler Johnson who I've just I'm sure people are almost tired of hearing me talk about him but so strange the the pattern of his season uh, we've seen little blips of strong performances, especially just kind of 
getting buckets with that second unit, but so far from not only the guy we saw impact this team as a son last year, but the microwave scorer and, and smart playmaker that we all came to know him to be coming out of that Heat organization. So just very uncharacteristic how quiet he's been. And uh, Elia Kobo played the those 18 minutes that Kobo played were all in succession. He finished the game after he came in in the third quarter, and Tyler never saw the court again. So obviously we know Monty Williams likes to ride the hot hand a little bit, reward guys who play well. But still bizarre for a veteran on this team to not crack the lineup at all during the comeback. Yeah, like you mentioned there, I think Tyler is also a streaky guy. We've seen it, but I think overall as well, I, I don't think he is because obviously not the injury report and there's something in trouble with the list injuries. But I just wonder if he's hurt or some reason because there's just some nights where he just looks completely off and he just looks a little step or two slow. Maybe I don't know. It just maybe that's just me talking there. But what are your thoughts on that, Brent? Because it seems like. Tyler on just some nights, he seems to be nursing something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's dealing with something. I mean, he had the – it was a, a a knee, right, in the preseason. Yeah, so you you mentioned that a little a few days ago when I was worried about him before. I think that's obviously fair to consider because that is the injury we, we know about. If there's anything else that's you know just something that he's dealing with kind of day-to-day. I don't necessarily notice it offensively. I'm just personally watching him, but I think definitely on the defensive side. I mean, you go back to Goran Dragic when he sliced up the the Suns' defense in the loss to Miami. Just a, a few different times throughout the season, it's become really glaring. And he was a guy, you know, he's not incredible defensively. He's not a, a very good athlete necessarily uh, compared to some guys, but perfectly fine defensive player and really has not been that this year. So that's really where I notice it. Now, before we end here on Tyler Johnson, I just wanted to note that, especially with the way Johnson's played and also with how Rubio is just his back right now, we don't know what's going to happen later on with him. Just that, that, It seems like the kind of maybe the feedback is kind of getting up with him a little bit just because the minutes he played over there, just the back spasms. Hopefully it's not a, a long lingering issue with Rubio, but the Rubio back issue, Tyler Johnson, Elio Kobo's inconsistencies throughout the year, I think this team really misses Ty Jerome. Yeah, it'll be a perfect opening for him. I mean, obviously, I think you would assume Rubio will be healthy by the time Jerome gets back, but just generally, uh, this rotation needs a, a player like him who maybe doesn't have the defense, but at the very least is going to be willing to take the shots and I think has the confidence to uh, attack as a secondary playmaker and all of that stuff. We saw him catch on quickly doing a lot of that in this Suns offense in the preseason, so Hopefully that will be a, a little bit of an injection here. I'm, I'm wondering, too, I mean, not to get too far afoot, we'll probably have more time to talk about this, and we'll see evidence of it one way or the other on Thursday as the Suns take on the Pelicans, but it wouldn't surprise me if Okobo got, a, got more of a shot. Uh, maybe very spot minutes still with the rotation being as tight as it is, but maybe he gets some of those Tyler Johnson minutes on Thursday as an opportunity to – to back up what he did tonight because I actually thought as a playmaker and as a perimeter defender did did okay like not enough to say he shouldn't get another shot so with Javon Carter a DNP a healthy scratch in a game where they were just looking for bodies anywhere uh, I wonder if Okobo gets a shot but we will dive into as always to close out the show a few statistics that kind of represented this game from our each of our perspectives but before we do that, another reminder of a sponsor of today's show, which is my bookie. This is uh, 
We've talked about how it's the best time of year for college and pro hoops, but it's also Thanksgiving week. So for Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250, and if you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, well, congrats to you as well. My bookie will give you all your money back. That is a no-brainer. A no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk and all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer because MyBookie welcomes all who want to play. So quit waiting around and come sign up today. All right. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process as well. So if you have questions, maybe you've not really bet on sports before, don't sweat it. The best part of MyBookie is that if you want to take advantage of the customer service team and want to join this Thanksgiving week, you still have one last shot to take advantage of this incredible sign-up offer. Here is how you do it. Go to MyBookie.ag, make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and MyBookie is going to match that deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for that Bears-Lions game on Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, don't let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, and you get paid. I will start us off here with our stat to watch. To me, it's going to be uh, 13, which is the number of points that the Suns outscored the Kings by in the second half. I mean, we've talked a lot about the individual parts here who who helped that happen, but to me, it's it's just pretty... Uh, extreme when you look at the the one half to the other numbers in the first half the Kings outscored the Suns by 17 in the second half the Suns outscored the Kings by like I just said uh, 13 there so tale of two halves and I think it was just a little bit too little too late for the Suns but nevertheless as we talked about at the top of the show just impressive to see them even get back into it at all. Yeah, I feel like if that game played an extra two and a half, three minutes, I think the Suns win this game, just with the way it was going towards the end of that one. But I wanted to add on here, Brennan, just because it just seems like continuously throughout the year this is a theme that this team fights back whenever they get down, and they definitely did tonight, falling down 26 at one point, getting it down to three within the last few seconds of this game. I just feels like this team really fights and wants to really go tooth and nail for Monty Williams, and it just seems like Monty has that locker room pretty, pretty strong right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that they have shown fight. Uh, I guess it, it just feels like they did they did that part of it somewhat frequently last year. I mean, I even remember games against Sacramento a couple times where uh, we saw guys like DeAnthony Melton and others who have the same kind of energy as the key contributors tonight lead some comebacks. I think if if the Kings don't make that if they don't make their free throws like they did twenty three of twenty five tonight. I think you're right that the the Suns probably do come back to win this one. Just with the, they couldn't really miss from three for a little while there between Booker and Ubre and and Cam and whoever else was was reining them in. But I, I I the other thing I wanted to point out before we jump to yours is I want to just highlight that first quarter too though because as much as it's impressive that the the team kind of galvanized themselves and and figured it out they've gotten behind in the first and played poorly in the first quarter a few times this year. And that I, I don't want to blame the coach for one, one thing or the other, but that is just as much of a, a detriment to the team as the ability to, to fight back in the second half, right? If you don't get out to those poor starts, you don't really have to fight back. So I think they can clean that up as well. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's going to have to be something they clean up, and I think they they win this game tonight if they clean up those mistakes. And we'll definitely be curious to see how they respond for back-to-back losses here going to Thursday against the Pelicans. But my, my stat to watch here, Brandon, is going to be 22. You might not see an original in the box score there, but if you take out Ricky Rubio and his two assists in 16 minutes, that's 22 assists total for the team outside of Rubio, which is their same total as last night too. And I just think it shows you just how important Rubio is to the system. And when Rubio's not out there, at least maybe without a guy like Ty Jerome out there, like I mentioned the last time, that I think kind of mirrors Rubio a little bit as far as the way he can really pass the ball around. But I think Rubio and his his lack of presence out there with him just playing with his back and then having to set out the second half, however long he's out, I imagine he's probably out Thursday at this point just to keep him 100%. This team really needs Rubio's ball creation and just the way he can move around the floor. Yeah, I just think Rubio's absence is pretty big here, and that's why I'm going to go with 22 because outside Rubio's two assists, the, the ball movement is not there for the Suns team at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. It's been worse, and I think it's nice to see that they only turned the ball over 10 times today. I think that's pretty impressive, but I think rather than turning the ball over, we just saw the offense sputter out. We saw bad shot attempts by guys like Ubre, Sharich, Booker, Kaminsky, uh, and we saw you know, some times where the ball kind of just died. And so I I think it's easy to say the turnovers look better, but I think I do tend to agree with you that the ball movement was pretty definitively worse than it has been most of the year. And uh, where do you think they go here? I mean, not to get too far into this, but it does interest me as we think about Thursday, especially because I I think you might be right that that Rubio won't play. Do you think there's any chance that they would start a Kobo? Five assists to one turnover today, and with Tyler Johnson playing so poorly, Javon Carter can't buy a minute at this point. It kind of seems like there there's at least a small chance that a Kobo starts. It wouldn't surprise me, but um, I, I would be surprised that they didn't go to Johnson just because I think that he needs to kind of bounce back in just to get some momentum going. But it wouldn't shock me at all for sure because just seeing this point guard rotation at the moment is kind of in flux without Rubio in there, but... I, this is just me like selfishly hoping for Brennan, but if Rubio can go, I hope they just start Cam Johnson and McHale and and just go out there with five out and put huh. Booker a point guard. Yeah, well, we did see a lot of that today, and that was uh, a little bit a little bit reminiscent of last year for good and bad reasons, I think. So I agree they'll probably start another point guard next uh, game on Thursday, but we'll have to see. I mean, Drew Holiday is a hell of a matchup to have to deal with with this uh, flux that they have at that spot. But uh, I guess we'll see. Maybe Rubio. Eddie Johnson was kind of saying on the broadcast, you just wake up one morning and it's like it it never afflicted you, the back spasms. So I guess the Suns will probably be crossing their fingers that Wednesday or Thursday he wakes up and it's kind of gone, but we'll just have to monitor it. Yeah, anything else, Brandon, you want to cover for tonight's 120 to 116 loss for the Suns? They do have the day off tomorrow. So as we talk about some of these injuries, whether that's Rubio and what we were just getting into or Frank Kaminsky, who was probable, Dario Saric was probable, and then obviously Aaron Baines missing the game with a hip contusion. They will not practice tomorrow. They will rest tomorrow and then play again Thursday. So uh, at least at least some hope that over the next 48 hours they can get a little healthier. All right, guys, before we let you go, 120-116 once again was the final score tonight's game. The Suns are now 7-6 and six on the season, but – if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to Locked On Suns. Rate and review our podcast as well. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. Thanks again for listening on today's podcast. We'll be back to you guys tomorrow for your next episode.